Enrollment is open for Thomas's upcoming six-session live online course, Navigating the Levels of Trauma Healing. Explore how to work with the impacts of collective crises and challenges and learn tools to manage anxiety, overwhelm, and nervous system dysregulation during times of accelerated change and disruption. In this all-new curriculum, Thomas and expert guest speakers will engage in ecosystemic practices to collectively explore our resilience, agency, and capacity to stay present and find deeper meaning. Click the link in our show notes to learn more and enroll. Or go to www.navigatingthelevelsoftrauma.com. Welcome to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel, a podcast that illuminates the path to collective healing at the intersection of science and mysticism. In his conversations with visionaries, innovators, artists, and healers, Thomas invites guests into a relational experience that allows inspiration and innovation to emerge. This is The Point of Relation. Our guest for today's episode is Malika Dutt. Malika Dutt is a longtime advocate for equity and well-being for people and planet, with deep experience in advancing justice through an intersectional lens. She has founded two organizations, Interconnected, and Breakthrough, where she has led award-winning multimedia campaigns and has promoted transformational change through ancient wisdom, contemplative practices, and social justice activism. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Point of Relation. My name is Thomas Hübel. This is my podcast, and I have the great honor and pleasure to be sitting here with Malika uh, Dutt. Malika, warm welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Thomas. It's great to be here too. Mm. I, I'm. I have the feeling we we share a lot of passions, and I think there is a lot of resonance between uh, what you do, what we do, and um, so I would love to go deeper with it. Maybe if um, you can tell me what's maybe a little bit, what's the the flow of your life that brought you to be passionate about what you're passionate about, and uh, and especially if if in your development everything was kind of clear, you felt already as a child, that's what I'm going to do. If there were any events that shaped your path, because I always find it interesting how we got to express our purpose in the world. And I'm, I'm curious about the composition in your life between calling and life circumstances that formed your path. So if you want to speak a bit about that, that would be great. Absolutely. I would say that there was a really pivotal moment in my life about 12 years ago that brought uh, the sacred into my activism, if you will, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that brought um, an understanding of interconnectedness, interdependence into my activism. And that event was a very painful divorce. So mm -hmm. for many decades uh, prior to that, I had been a very quite prominent social justice activist, particularly in the area of women's rights and challenging and addressing gender-based violence. And taking an intersectional approach, so really looking at the ways in which race, immigration status, religion, caste, all impacted women's lives um, in different ways. And I had a trajectory of many decades of working on those issues, working directly with battered women, working through culture change, working through narrative strategy, law and policy, community organizing, and... Um, so at the time of my divorce 12 years ago, I was running an organization called Breakthrough that I had founded that had started to receive a lot of recognition in the world. And so I was sort of seen as, a, you know, a, a major leader in the field of human rights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My divorce was a seminal moment because what happened was that my husband at the time became involved with our housekeeper. And basically, at the time of the separation of our marriage, said things like, um, you're too big for me. I feel emasculated. Um, I feel like your work is your passion. I don't really have a place in your life. 
Um, and in the process of that narrative and the separation, I fell into a place of deep shame. I fell into a place of deep shame, of deep pain, and the paradox of being this feminist activist, human rights advocate in the world with the circumstances of being left by my husband for the housekeeper just completely broke. I wouldn't, you know, broke my certainty about life. It just sort of really shattered um, my own identity, if you will, in a way. And I fell into um, a place where I really didn't know who I was anymore. And, you know, shame can be such a debilitating emotion. It's mm. something that we all navigate and deal with in so many different ways. And then we learn to numb it or we learn to mask it or then it finds its expression in the world in all these different mm. ways. Uh, what happened for me at that time was a friend of mine took me for my 50th birthday to a journey, a medicine journey with a shaman. And it was my first introduction to the world of plant medicine, to the world of psychedelics. I had no idea what those were. I didn't understand what shamanism was. It was all the great unknown, but I was in such a place of rupture within myself that I feel like I was then just open to um, whatever gifts were coming my way at that time. I didn't really even understand that they were gifts. So that first experience with the shaman and with the plant medicine created some really important openings for me. And what my, my divorce then started to feel more like an initiation into another way of living and being on this planet. So I would say that that's been a very important sort of pivot point in my life. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe speak a little bit to what you said at the beginning, you said like when the sacredness or the sacred came into my activism, like activism or activist life, can you describe how that feels to you or how, how do you identify that something sacred came into your life and how this, how did that change your way of activism? Like what was the change that you felt in your life and how you approached things, how you felt inside? For me now, the sacred is about really understanding the interdependence of all things. Mm -hmm. The biggest shift that has happened in my life is my relationship to the planet, is my relationship to the earth. How I walk on the earth, my relationship, especially to trees, um, as beings who have really entered my life, as friends, um, as teachers in very deep ways. Um, and really an understanding of this notion of I am you and you are me, even when one is dealing with violence and discrimination and all of the pain of the hierarchies that we've created as human beings, mm -hmm. you know, cut across multiple generations, multiple communities, multiple geographies. There's, a, there's an anchoring in the interconnectedness of all things that allows me to show up, I would say, with more love, with more um, presence, uh, with less reactivity and more listening. Um, so those are some of the shifts that have happened. And perhaps it would be helpful if I spoke a little bit about what led me into this work in the first place, sort of even before my divorce. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up in India. I grew up in Calcutta, which is now called Kolkata. Grew up in a joint family. And by that, I mean my grandparents, my uncle, my aunt, my two cousin brothers, my parents, myself and my brother. We all lived in the same house. And um, my father's family came from what, was then India, but now Pakistan, you know, so they were part of the, the whole partition process. And so right. carried with them a lot of the ruptures that had happened mm -hmm. in people's mm -hmm. lives as a result of that division. Um, and so it was this peculiar mix of modern and traditional and very patriarchal, right? So from the time that I was a child, it was understood that my brothers would inherit the house, would inherit the business, 
and that whatever it was that I was supposed to do would happen once I got married and lived in my home and my home meant my husband's home, right? Juxtaposed with that was um, three relationships, my grandparents, my uncle and aunt and my parents, three relationships that were completely dysfunctional, that had varying levels of violence or uh, misconnection or hierarchy or abuse. Um, And so for me as a child, having to be an advocate for my mother, watching these relationships, feeling very unsafe in my own body Mm. and being told you will be able to do whatever you want when you go to your husband's house felt like, are you kidding? Like, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) why would i be signing up for this right right um so the so the trauma of my childhood you know with all of the ways in which patriarchy was playing itself out in my family and 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 everything around me was juxtaposed with this fierce sense of independence of that's not my path i'm going to walk another path That led me to the United States at age 18 to go to college, you know, and then I was able to get a lot of scholarships and basically started to support myself from the time that I was 18. We never had the tools when we were growing up, at least our generation did not, to really attend to the ways in which the violence and trauma had informed and played out in our lives. So I think many of us who are social justice activists used the pain and the rage and the anger and the hurt from what happened to us and took it out into the world to try and change things, to try and shift things. And so, you know, I ended up creating an organization that worked with battered South Asian women in New York City called Sakhi for South Asian Women. I became involved in the global movement for the recognition of women's rights as human rights. I worked with the Ford Foundation in Delhi and worked on advancing the rights of Dalits and Adivasis, the quote-unquote untouchable community and the indigenous communities in India along with women. Um, And then I created an organization called Breakthrough that used culture change as a way to attend to these issues in India as well as in the United States where immigration in the aftermath of 9-11 and all of these things had also really uh, started to impact many of our communities. It was important work. It was work that was my passion. It was work that I was consumed by. It was work that had as its root a lot of rage and a lot of pain and a lot of unattended to trauma within myself. When the divorce happened, all of the uh, veils, if you will, all of the ways in which I had protected myself and my child self more than anything else kind of got ripped open. And so the journey in the last decade for me has been, what is it that I need to do internally? How is it that I need to tend to myself? so that I can be with others uh, from a place of connection and not from a place of separation. Or I think the place that I'm at now is what is the dance between separation and connection? Because in interconnectedness, you embrace it all. You don't run away from one piece of it to the other, right? So I'm sort of in a, I, I feel like I'm entering a different place in my own journey and my relationship to these things. But the last decade has meant pivoting to myself, embracing the parts of myself that I never attended to, and then therefore showing up differently in the work that I do in the world. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. First of all, I want to underline how uh, crucial I find your and your own recognition of of how things are interconnected in your own in your own life and how you said it beautifully that the divorce kind of opened up something that was much deeper so that this the suffering was not just because of the divorce but what was underlying your inner development i think that's also what many people sometimes cannot discern 
I think that everything lands in the projection onto a divorce or an event in our life versus a differentiated look at, okay, there's a lot of pain that was in me before. I think you said something very important there. That's why I want to underline it. And also you said something beautiful that I also am very passionate about, like how activism is kind of motivated by one's own pain or trauma, or it helps us to transform that. And then the activism is simply much more impactful and much more connected, related, and, and less frustrated, burned out, and, and, and so on. So I think that that's, that's very powerful. When you, because, you know, for many, for many listeners, it might at first look like, how does that work when you work with people like offenders, people who hurt other people, like when there is, uh, I don't know, violence in the mix or gender violence. So how do you stay in that interconnectedness or interconnection when, when it's about, you know, deep trauma that has been inflicted in situations that you work with? So how, maybe you can speak a little bit to how can we, how do you experience that? And, and how can we learn what are the ingredients to, to be able to serve the world in that way? You know, that's such an important question. And um, it's, it's definitely a work in progress for me. So I don't claim to be in any uh, place of great enlightenment. It's, um, it's something that I have to choose. Uh, it's a place I have to choose. I have to make a choice around a practice of staying in interconnectedness while also allowing myself to feel all my feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's um, a way in which trauma can often lead to dissociation, right? You dissociate, you disconnect actually from your feelings. And that certainly was something that um, happened to me and that I continue to have to pivot to. I have to embrace my feelings. Um, and before I was running away from my feelings because it was just too overwhelming, right? It was the, the place of safety that when you're encountering these kinds of uh, abuse or violence or challenge, whether it's in the context of racism, whether it's the context of violence at home, whether it's the context of violence in war, whether it's what's happening to refugees, whether it's what's happening with the caste hierarchies, or you know, what whatever the shape of that is, the felt horror of that, the felt violence of that, and how it shapes our bodies and our psyches and what it does to us as human beings um, has to be honored and recognized and understood because. If we jump over that, you know, sometimes we can use spirituality to kind of jump over the actual mm -hmm. experience of the thing. And so you have to really be anchored and, and have the capacity to allow yourself to feel all of those things. Mm -hmm. When you open yourself up in that way and you come to presence, at least for me, I began to also understand how deeply hurt and traumatized and wounded the quote-unquote perpetrators are as well, right? So, you know, the, the triangle of disempowerment or the triangle that we keep falling into is the perpetrator, the victim, and then the savior, right? And you just keep doing this dance, this triangular dance. And at any given point, we occupy one of those three nodes of the triangle, and so it was really important for me to step out of that, to mm -hmm. figure out a fourth place, you know, to go from a triangle to a rectangle or a multiplicity of places. And so a witness or a healer mm -hmm. or a community supporter or a circle or um, resting back into the earth to hold all of this rather than my position in just one of those three, because when you keep dancing in that three grid, you're just, you're still trapped in that same structure. Yeah. You're never able to really move it out. And it was only when I learned to create that fourth place 
for myself that I was able to start to see the humanity of everybody in that circle or in that triangle, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the first person whose humanity I needed to see and understand and come to terms with was my father, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's very easy to externalize all of this um, or to just stay trapped in your family circle. I externalized and I needed to go from working with thousands and thousands and thousands of people to coming here and working with myself. And so working with healing the masculine, if you will, or the way in which the masculine had played out in my life was one of my first steps towards the shift that I was able to make. Um, I was deeply assisted by the communities of healing that I was a part of, by the plant medicine, by a wonderful Zazen teacher whose name is Ryushin, who I've been studying with for the last seven years, who really kind of represented the masculine um, energy in a different kind of way. And really beginning to understand and embrace that if you stand in interconnectedness, then whatever it is that we're trying to shape anew has to include all of us. There's no group of people that we're sending off into exile. And that just because we were in exile does not mean that we have to reproduce that, right? Mm -hmm. And so then what does that mean? And that's a question that I think we each have to keep answering in however we show up in the work that we do in different kinds of ways, whether you're leading a team, whether you're leading healing circles, whether you're in a corporate structure, whatever it is that you're doing, how do you show up in a way that does not exile everybody? anybody and that creates the conditions for us to come together without excusing the harm so you you know for me it's not about not feeling grief not feeling outrage not feeling rage not feeling all of the things but the feelings then get anchored in a place where the commitment is to our collective liberation And the collective liberation of not just us as human beings, the collective liberation of us as all beings on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm making any sense because I feel like when you start to, uh, when you start to abstract sometimes the actual piece of the presence and how you're showing up and what that facilitates can get lost, right? Like mm-hmm. words often can't capture love, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now for me, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, uh, very much so. And I also love, it touches me to feel your, like the authenticity of your sharing. So it feels to me very authentic and you're speaking from a place of your own experience and you transmit that when you speak so it makes a lot of sense like i can sense that when you when you speak and i i have two more uh, two questions one specifically to what you just said so when when we when we zoom in and we make what you just said more specific so when when there is I don't know, a crime, somebody got hurt, and we come from a place of interconnected. Some people might say, yeah, but then we are not uh, taking care that there is a punishment. There is like somebody, you know, there will be safety. There will be, I don't know, whatever whatever people might think. So how can interconnectedness help us to resolve these kind of uh, situations maybe in a different way i don't know what what social what's the out how social justice looks like when we are coming from a place of interconnectedness so how how do we make sure that people are safe but that there's also maybe another system of 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 justice that is not the usual system that we know by putting people in prison and that's it and the society is fine and like there is something about interconnectedness that i think calls all of us into a much deeper responsibility for what's happening in our society and um, maybe you can speak a little bit how does this look like from the perspective of an activist and how does it look like from the perspective of society that when stuff is happening in our society it's not just them so what is when the 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 age of them is over what is then with us with all of us here in the same 
in the same like society. Maybe you can you can speak a little bit about these two perspectives onto interconnectedness. Sure. I mean, I think that one of the the interconnectedness for me is not about sameness. It's not about all of us are the same, right? There's a deeper spiritual place that one can go to, which is we all come from source. And so everything is one. And so we are all emanations of the one. Um, and that's certainly a part of my journey. But there are also ways in which when you get to this place of oneness and say we are all emanations from the source, well, but then what does that mean in terms of the question that you're asking? And so interconnectedness for me helps me to understand the different locations that we occupy with one another and that we as a human species have created these conditions. Everything that we are experiencing, whether it is joy or whether it is violence, we have co-created, right? There is no, even if you think about it, we even created money. There's nothing about money that exists in and of itself in some real way. We created all of this. So the harm that we do to one another, we also co-created. So when we get into the us versus them uh, paradigm, we actually stop taking responsibility for ourselves. It's very easy then to project everything onto the other. Having said that, it's also very important to remember that there are power structures that we have created within our society that allow some groups of people more access to privilege more access to be able to do things in certain ways than other groups of people, right? So what I have, what I did for myself and how I came to my activism was created a grid of self, community, systems, and the earth. And they're all overlapping systems. So at any given point, I ask, what is the role of the self what has to happen with the with the selves that are involved in the situation? What is the role of the community in that situation? What are the structures that are at play here? Where do they come from? How are they being operationalized and how do they need to change? And then all of that has to remind us to be connected to the earth because that is the largest structure and system that we are all a part of. So in the work that I have done in the last couple of years, when I have been presented with ruptures, I have always tried to find the place of connection while ensuring safety. So if I am, uh, for example, mediating a conflict where two people have been in a deeply conflictual situation and there's a hierarchy and somebody has been armed, I will speak to the two individuals separately. I will ask what they need. I will ask the person who is who is harmed what it is what it is that they need from the person who harmed them, and if they are ready to have a conversation with that person or not. I will speak to the person who has harmed and have a conversation with them about how they are feeling about the situation. What is it that they need in order to be able to move forward? I will ask who is the community that is available to support them. So if they're, for example, in the same organization or from the same community, who are the people around them that they can rest in? Do they need other people or is it okay for them to repair with one another, right? In that conversation, there are tools that I use, there are practices that I think all of us need to learn. One is what does it mean to be present? How do we actually hear one another? What does it mean to practice conflict in a generative way? Is the commitment to finding a way forward together? Or is it going to need a separation? And to be okay with whatever that outcome needs to be, but at least to first consciously make a decision about what it is that you're willing to step into. So 
you know, a lot of the uh, work that I ended up doing in the last couple of years was actually helping groups learn how to come into presence with oneself, with each other, how to understand their own fight flight uh, nervous system reflexes so that they could find ways in which to come into greater relationship with themselves, be responsive rather than reactive to the situations around them, understand the structures within which they were operating so that everything didn't feel like it was just the individuals acting without understanding the larger context within which they were operating. And then what was the path to collective liberation from there? So that's, for me, what sacred activism has come to look like, uh, has come to feel, has come to be, is if I hold the dream, if I hold the value, I actually don't write the word value, if I hold the inspiration of our collective liberation as the core from where I work in the world or whatever it is that I do, then how I move in relationship to a person who is harmed, a person who has harmed, or communities that have hurt and harmed, or communities who have been harmed, just comes from a different energy. It comes from a different presence. It comes from a different uh, place of what is possible rather than jumping into the old paradigm of punishment and accountability from an us versus them framework, which is the one that we currently live in. Yeah, that's very beautiful, very beautiful. And I think it also needs, this is a much more invested path, as I hear it. We need to give more of ourselves. We cannot just say, this is good, this is bad, this separate life in, in good or bad, but we actually need to be much more related. We need to learn how to hold complexity, how to hold uh, polarization in ourselves. So I hear from you that that's uh, much more invested, but also most probably much more healing path like that has that uh, creates more resilience uh, when I listen to you. And you spoke a lot about something that I'm obviously also very passionate about because you know our work my work was i'm dealing with collective trauma already for a long time and see how in different parts of the world systemic trauma is actually an ecosystemic design factor and and i'm wondering to hear a bit your thoughts how can we let's say in the society in the us when we think about how can can this can we develop systemic impact forms like what are systemic holding spaces? What are social healing spaces? What are spaces that we need that we can create in order to deal with um, the things that you already brought up or others like racism, like uh, a lot of repetitive pain and trauma that's being recreated uh, from, from pain, we create another level of pain. And so how do you think about systemic factors that what can we build contribute, I don't know, invent a society, a social architecture technologies that help us to kind of integrate more of that and, and become a change versus trying to constantly deal with the symptoms of many of the re-traumatizations that we see. I, I would love to hear your thoughts about that. I mean, I'm happy to share and, and Thomas really, you know, that has been such beautiful, powerful work that you have been doing now for so many decades. Um, I come from a field, you know, whether it's philanthropy or social change or social justice that is constantly talking about scale and impact, right? Like large numbers of people being influenced to do lots of large numbers of things. And over time, um, I have really come to understand the value of fractals of the small shifts that we make, the patterns of shifts that then create mm. the larger patterns, right? And so if you look at, you know, in nature and, and uh, if you look at the spiral, you can see the spiral in the inside of a flower and you can see the spiral in the galaxy and you can see the spiral on the fingertips. Um, of each and every one of us and the spiral then becomes 
it's a it's a design it's a small little fractal design but embedded within it is the whole if you will right mm-hmm. um and so i for me the place that i have come to rest in a great deal is ritual mm-hmm. and ritual that is not necessarily that is not within the structure of religious paradigms as they currently exist but ritual that allows two people three people a hundred people a thousand people to come together in an embodied way and move a different pattern a different fractal if you will together mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. allow a new um imprint if you will to start em- em- emerging in our nervous systems and our bodies and with one another right mm-hmm. so i believe deeply in the power of healing the self and i believe even more deeply in the power of community as a mm-hmm. healing uh journey that we all need to be on and so i'm i'm seeing i i i'm witnessing these kinds of fractals emerging in lots of different places in, in the United States you know there are more and more groups of people that are coming together to explore these new ways of being with one another there's this incredible genre of afrofuturism and you know afrofuturism sounds very sci-fi but in the telling of new stories in the telling of new visions in the telling of new imagination lies a healing lies mm-hmm. a different possibility lies a different way of showing up on the planet and i have been learning just an extraordinary amount from the imagination and the love and the power and the courage of african african american communities around this country mm-hmm. that are exploring these different ways of being I am meeting younger people all the time um who are just making really different choices different choices about consumption different choices about how they live on the planet how they relate to the earth how they are with one another um I was at a beautiful um uh, retreat center last week and I met this young um 25 year old woman who actually is also israeli and you know I, i don't know how to capture what how i felt her relationship to the earth and how she communicated with the earth and the plant beings and everything around her and for her in the garden there was no such thing as weeds there were no good insects and bad insects there was no trying to get rid of pests it was an integrated whole that brought the elements together where the feeding of that ecosystem for one another was just as important as the feeding of us as humans with that ecosystem mm-hmm. it was for me um you know you you when you meet younger people and they represent so many of the dreams that we had of what might be if we lived in the world that produced young ones like this or humans like this and then when you see it it's possible it exists it's there um and so this young one became my biggest teacher in that week that I was there and I can still when i when i walk outside or even on the like the way i walk on the earth i just feel the i said interconnected and then i was busy you know weeding my garden and treating all of the beings in my garden in a particular kind of way and i can feel the shape shifting that's happening even in a more refined way right for myself um so what can we do i feel like ritual coming together in these different kinds of ways storytelling the creative instinct the creative impulse the inspiration that comes for the creation of this other world that we're dreaming into being is happening in all of these different ways and 
connecting to them, amplifying them, lifting those voices up. Um, you know, and and there's many other experiments happening at the city level, at the smaller state levels around the country. It's very easy to get drowned out in what's happening with the Supreme Court in the United States right now and all of the ways in which rights are being undermined. You know, we just lost the constitutional right to abortion last year. Affirmative action decisions are undermining our pathways to diversity. Uh, you know, all of the gains that we've made around the rights of LGBTQI people, uh, around race issues, we're seeing at least at the at multiple levels, um, sort of the dismantling of those victories. Um, and it's easy then to kind of fall into again an us versus them. You know, there there are those people who are against us and taking away our rights and the power dynamics that are playing out in all of that. And so resting in these places where the collective liberation of everybody is the anchor is what gives me a lot of hope, joy, um, curiosity. Yeah, I love also to hear from you, like, because I hear from you, um, like a lot of presence and being with and at the same time having discernment and clarity because i think for some people they say okay if i'm in interdependence then i cannot have my own uh, way or stream or path in life so i like i'm giving into the injustice that there is in the in the world and but what i hear from you is different through being present in the interconnectedness we can have a different impact it doesn't mean that we lose our agency when we are more open and grounded in in the whole so this um, thing that's important and maybe given the time also maybe one one thing i would love to know is so for you obviously a divorce and of course everything you did before like kind of gave your life a bit of a different spin and um but for our listeners now, so what do you think are some of the practices and some of the things we can do individually uh, to uh, strengthen these qualities in ourselves so that we can tap into interconnectedness? Maybe we can do the inner work and maybe how, how does that inner work look like uh, that we need to do in order to... Um, be more immersed in, in the process that's happening and not just looking at the process that's happening. And um, maybe also what kind of spiritual practices are maybe supportive for, um, you know, the evolution that you experience. So maybe we can speak a bit to what can we practice to build, train, I don't know, become in order to live that more. Um, you know, there are, thousands of ways to wake up, thousands and thousands of ways. And that is the beauty of what is accessible to us as humans, right? I mean, we just have such an incredible, vast array of pathways and modalities and traditions and practices and tools and so much. Um, and so I can share some of the things that were really important for me. And I share them with all humility in really encouraging folks to find their own path and to find the modalities that work for them because it is, like I said, we are gifted with such bounty. Um, the first thing though is to make the choice. The first, the first step before anything else can happen is to say yes, that this is a path that one wants to embrace. Uh, sometimes just in making that choice, you just wake up and you're ready to do anything else. It's just that the grace of, you know, uh, possible enlightenment in that moment. I don't know. But making that choice allows them for things to open and unfold. 
I think the second thing that has been really important for me is learning to love all of myself. The horrible parts, the shadow parts, the juicy parts, the delicious parts, the gifts, um, the parts that are the hurt child, the parts that are the magical child, uh, the one, you know, who gets really cranky and irritable when she doesn't get enough food on time, the one that can get up on a stage and speak to a thousand people and not have any notes, the one that gets really pissed off at the injustices in the world, the one that loves trees and every day walking into the office, hugs the oak, to ground herself like all of the parts. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to forget to love the magical parts of yourself, right? Like we spend so much of our time going, we need to learn to love the hurt, damaged, traumatized, shadow parts. And we forget that there's all this other beauty and brilliance and magic. And certainly that has been a huge practice for me to remember to love all of myself and to feel all of my feelings. You cannot, if you numb and you disconnect and you dissociate, then love that too, right? Like this is, this is not about this is bad and this is good and you need to do this and you need to do that. It's like really come into radical self-acceptance of yourself. When you are able to even start doing a teeny weeny bit of that, you come more into alignment with your own life force energy, with your own desires, with your own uh, gifts, if you will. Like, what is your soul calling? What are you here to do in the world? But if you jump into that without the place of self-love, then it's very easy to fall into bypassing or shadows or becoming I'm the guru, I'm the teacher, you know, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. Um, so it's really important to have that sense of self-love and and understand that if you're interconnected and you're this unique magical being with all of your wounded parts and your joyful parts, everybody everybody around you is too. And then from there, we are able to get into a greater place of discernment around, you know, what is happening and how we stand for or against or with or in the presence of or whatever it is that we choose to do. My own practices, I have a daily meditation practice. I've been studying with a Zazen teacher for the last seven years. The plant medicines, the world of psychedelics have been great healers and teachers for me over the years. Um, I have studied that world. I have really, really been incredibly grateful, particularly to all of the indigenous communities that have held this medicine through all of these many, many hundreds of years that allow for us to learn from the earth. That is another, um, that has been sort of another deep healer for me. And then I have, you know, done everything from internal family systems work to somatic work to yoga to, I mean, the list is just, you know, on and on and on. You can so, you know, so I, I embrace the part of me that is a seeker and loves to learn. So I have like lots of things that I like to explore and do. Um, and really, I mean, for me, my relationship to the earth and especially to trees, when I go and embrace a tree and I have the trunk of the tree all along the front of my body or the back of my body, I feel my energy system just completely grounding into the earth. Like there's a way in which my body comes to a place of presence and rest that is indescribable. There's nothing else that I do that just anchors me so quickly and so deeply um, in alignment. Um, so that's just like a smattering of stuff, but really to come back to what I said at the beginning, 
The first is to choose and say yes. And the second is to really, really learn how to embrace all the different parts of yourself so that you can show up with presence for yourself and others in a fundamentally different way. Yeah, this is very beautiful. And and of course, I, as you said, I asked this question to you and, uh, and you gave us your take. And as you said beautifully at the beginning, people need to find their own way. But it's beautiful to hear from you the composition because I think it gives us an example how multifaceted also our practice is that it includes integration and healing practices, maybe spiritual, transpersonal meditation practices and uh, interrelational practices. So there's so much uh, that, that you described this is very beautiful and it gives us also it gave me a good sense to get to know you on from the level of your origin like your biography how things evolve but also how you serve the world and you give something meaningful to the world while you're also a student of this world and practicing your own practices so and i found it very authentic and i found it also very connected to to you I, I felt the conversation very pure and connected to you and to your wholeness. So this, this is, I think, a really good example of somebody that can embrace uh, different parts, you know, the bright parts and the, the painful parts. And uh, I felt that, uh, and that I, it feels to me very authentic. So thank you for that. That's beautiful. And, uh, and I want to thank you in general for, you know, making the time to be here and have this conversation with me. I think it's very meaningful and I think many people can really take a lot away from this conversation. Um, and thank you. Thank you, Thomas. And I'm sending my gratitude from across the oceans for all of the work that you do in the world mm. and to hold the kind of pain and trauma that we have caused uh, one another in so many different contexts and to find ways in which we can create Collective healing and intergenerational healing is just such an incredible gift that you give all of us. So my gratitude to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope we will stay connected. I, I love our connection and the resonance that I feel when you speak. So, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to Point of Relation with Thomas Hoover. Stay connected by visiting our website, pointofrelationpodcast.com, and by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review, and share about us with your community on social media. Thank you. We appreciate your support. <laughs>